Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome to another release of Investor Stories. On this installment, the experts talk about their investment philosophy, how they evaluate early stage startups, and how that may be unique from other venture investors. Here is the segment called Venture Investor Strategy. In this special segment, we have Mamoon Hamid of the Social Plus Capital Partnership. Mamoon, can you talk about how you evaluate early stage startups, your philosophy and or thesis, and how you choose to make investments? The trite banal thing to say is it's all a team and market. You want to invest in a superb team going after an exploding market. Sure. How do you actually invest behind that? So you have to have a point of view on the market. You have to have a prepared mind approach to where you think the world is going, where the opportunities will be. It's a lot of times informed by the discussions you have amongst your partners with entrepreneurs that you respect and trust. It's the portfolio companies that you've invested in that are guiding you towards your learning with them as well as where the market is headed. To give an example, I invested in a security company called Netscope. It's completely an outgrowth. It's a derivative of all these SaaS companies taking off. So now CIOs and CISOs have this desire to regulate and policy the use of the SaaS apps. And they don't want to just do it within one app, but they want to do it across the 150, 200 apps they've got to deploy across their company. And so Netscape helps them do that. That investment was informed by my views derived from my involvement in Box Yammer. And that's what happens over time is you continue to evolve your viewpoint and develop this prepared mind. This problem exists, and I know you're solving a real problem that companies have. Or uh, I can talk about our investment in a company called Greenhouse, recruiting software company, where I'd hear entrepreneurs lamenting about how bad their recruiting software was. And the moment you saw what they were building and you show five entrepreneurs what they've built, this is it. This is what we need. So your viewpoint is informed by a lot of conversations, a lot of board meetings, a lot of pitches. It's a lot of learning that happens on an ongoing basis. And you create this viewpoint of the world that helps you make good decisions on the early stage investing, even when there's very low data. You mentioned earlier that one of your partner's kids was using Facebook before any of you guys were at your age. Is there any way that you tap into the collective mindset of the younger generations? Absolutely. We actually have a deep bench of entrepreneurs and residents who hail from companies like Facebook and Google and Apple and Redfin and Square and Instagram. And we tap into their collective wisdom as well. They're part of our team here and they are here with us all week long. 
a lot of the different product and market expertise to help us form a complete viewpoint as opposed to just, you know, sitting in an ivory tower, which hopefully we don't sit in an ivory tower. We just sit in a loft-like looking space in Palo Alto. But just to have a lot of voices around the table that can inform our view of the world. On today's special segment, we have Leo Polovets of Sousa Ventures. Leo, can you talk about your thesis and or how you evaluate and select early stage startups for investment? Uh, sure. So at Sousa Ventures, our focus is on companies building valuable data sets. And we think that's a great thesis because more and more we see data as being a great competitive advantage over time. It used to be that just having a good infrastructure and good software and good hardware was a competitive advantage because if you're fundraising in like 2000, you needed to go raise 5 million just to set up a small data center and hire a bunch of engineers. And, and over time, now you don't need to set up your own servers. There's a lot more open source software. It's easier and easier to build a product with very limited resources. And so those hurdles have gone down as far as being great competitive advantages. But data remains something that's very hard to get unless you actually have a good product, users using it, uh, a smart data collection strategy. So we really like startups where through the course of whatever product they're building, they collect a lot of valuable data. And then that data lets them make better product. It lets them create features that competitors couldn't do at all without access to that data. A good example would be like, if you're trying to copy Yelp right now, you can make as nice of a UI as you want. But if you don't have the reviews, the business listings, the reservation system, you're not going to get very far. And so we really like companies with that kind of uh, flexibility. Along with the data angle and actually kind of going with the data angle, we really like at least one of the founders to be very technical. And generally, we invest uh, where our partners are located, which is San Francisco, LA, New York, because that's where we think we can be the most helpful. But basically, the core of what we look at is technical founders. Data is going to be the competitive advantage. And uh, it's a good horizontal thesis that a lot of companies fit into. I guess it makes a lot of sense with your background, considering your time at Google and LinkedIn and some of your other experiences. Yeah, I um, I actually have kind of a funny anecdote about that. But I worked on payment fraud detection at Google for a couple of years. They basically had a product kind of PayPal called Google Checkout. So a team of engineers and I were trying to build algorithms to detect fraud before it happened so that we wouldn't, you know, Google wouldn't be on the hook for a lot of money. And the team was kind of split up where I and a couple of other people working more on the algorithm side, and then the rest of the team was working more on just incorporating more data from new data sources. And in college, I studied algorithms. That was kind of one of my fortes. And I really thought my part of the team would have the biggest contribution. And then the data side, you know, that would be a nice little boost, but not a big deal. And it turned out to be the exact opposite. The algorithms mattered a little bit, but in the end, what really gave us a great fraud detection system was just having more and more data sources. And then since Google, I've seen that in a lot of other places too, where a good product with really great data that leverages that data well is often better than something that looks really nice but doesn't have as much substance behind it. It's also easier to defend on the data side. At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta, and there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. 
Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to PacWest.com to learn more. On today's special segment, we have John Medved. John, can you talk about how you evaluate and select early stage startups for investment? Maybe talk about your thesis a little bit and how that may be unique from other investors. I don't know if it's unique or not. I mean, I think we follow best practice in the venture and angel world. We're very focused on teams and who they are. We're very fortunate here in Israel that we have so many serial entrepreneurs to choose from. There are a bunch of our companies that are being led in our portfolio by people who've been there and done that, in some cases, several times before. And that really improves your odds. We look for first-timers, too, of compelling people, good managerial background, fire in their belly and light in the eyes. So we focus really first and foremost on the team. We then take a good, hard look at the market, because if you're going to pick the market wrong, I don't care how good your team is, you're going to have some trouble. So we look at making sure that the market itself is going to grow in a dramatic fashion. We don't look for market share plays, right? People are going into a sure, already established market. We're looking for growing markets. We're very focused on traction. Has the company started to achieve its goals? Because if we get guys who come in and say, look, hand me the check and then I'll do the following and I'll make something happen. That's not for us. We want people who are already demonstrating progress where the train's pulling out of the station and we're jumping on and we're going to push and shovel some more coal into the already turning engine. We want this thing to be moving already. And we want to be able to call customers and to be able to call partners. And then most importantly, we look for sponsorship. We think that building these startups is a group sport, right? We don't like to be alone. As an investor, we like to invest as part of syndicates, either ones that we'll build and lead ourselves or that we'll join in on. There's been a lot of chatter lately amongst venture capital bloggers and angel bloggers about sort of high-touch involvement, post-investment, or lesser involvement, and how much impact really the investor can have with the startup. What's your take and what's your involvement post-investment in terms of helping the startup to achieve some of those milestones? I appreciate you asking that because if I had to say what is the most distinguishing factor on the R Crowd platform as opposed to all the other crowdfunding platforms, I would say it's our high touch with the companies. I'm a complete proponent of the definition of smart money in this business being people who help. Someone who just deploys money and says, via con Dios, my darling, and I'll see you at exit, in my opinion, <laughs> that is pretty much the definition of dumb money. Because if you think that you're that good of a stock picker, then pick stocks. But if you're in the startup business, you got to help. And that helping includes sitting on boards and providing good governance and strategic input. It includes making connections for the company to distributors, to partners, opening doors, 
getting them access to the media, helping them to make good hires. And if you're not doing all that stuff, you're not doing your job. The beauty of our crowd, and I think the potential of crowdfunding done right, is that you can involve not just yourselves and your partners at the platform level, but your whole board of people, the crowd, can get involved in what we call crowd building. And we are spending a lot of money right now developing software and focusing on how do we mobilize the crowd on behalf of our companies. So we already stepped out. We bring mentors who are from the outside to sit on our company boards because we can't physically sit on all 70 soon to be 700 company boards. So we recruit members of the crowd to do that, are basically training our CEOs to expect this from us. So we're getting literally every day inquiries incoming from our company saying, do you know somebody here? Do you know somebody there? I'm going to Minneapolis on a business trip. Who else can I see? And we have that ability now not just to ask around the table, the four or five guys like it would be in a venture fund, but we have the ability of now tapping into the resources of our thousands of investors, and this is potentially explosive. So I'd imagine you pull in some of these subject matter experts or domain expertise folks in the diligence process as well, pre-investment? We absolutely do. And again, I don't want to talk too much out of school, but we're very focused on how we can even better leverage the power of the crowd, not just to deal source, but to deal diligence and to provide all kinds of additional smart input as we pick and then build the companies. And we'll be revealing this as we go forward, but we're obsessed with it. I got to tell you that when we look at what we're doing, we've already proven that you can raise the money, that people will come and invest and the companies will come and list with us. But the real challenge is going to be, can you provide phenomenal returns for your investors on a consistent basis? And I think the big secret sauce in that is going to be based on, can we make better decisions by using the crowd's wisdom in terms of where we put our money and making sure we check things out? And can we engage the crowd in helping to push these companies forward in a new way? And I think that's where the battleground is going to be fought between the various platforms. And those who win are going to be the guys who succeed at those two elements. That will wrap up this installment of Investor Stories. Head over to thefullratchet.net to leave a comment, sign up for the newsletter, or find resources discussed on any of the episodes. Until next time, remember to over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. Thanks for listening. 